Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus uh, the hope is the Braves are about to play, not that these are crazy impossible games, but they're about to play six games on the West Coast against the Mariners and the Giants. The Mariners are a playoff team. The Giants are at least a somewhat competent team. And I would look at these six games and say, can they lose three times? Is that possible? Can they go three and three? Am I asking too much? Or are the Braves just going to go six and up? Oh? I mean, they, they just going to rattle off more victories because at this rate, they may. They've won seven in a row. Uh, no matter what period of time you want to go back to, their record is absurd. I think the one that jumps out at me the most, well, there's two of them. Since, I think, May 1st, they are 63-24, and 24, which is, I mean, that's 98 Yankees kind of stuff. But here's the one... I guess this one sort of, not that, that one impresses me the most. Here's the one that's like a real punch in the balls. Since the Mets beat the crap out of them at City Field and won four out of five, and we were all just so giddy about what the Mets accomplished one-on-one with the Braves, the defending world champions responded in their last 27 games by going 22-5. and five. And one of those losses is against the Mets. They did win three out of four. So they've responded every time. And so I'm glad the Mets were able to finally take care of their business. And they're going to have to continue to take care of their business. But they are being afforded no margin for error because the Braves don't lose. Now six games coming up, Mariners and Giants. I'm asking for three and three. I'm asking for that. I'm asking for the Mets to go five and one. If that happens, boom, the Mets are back up by two and a half games. It's like magic. Voila. 
Uh. I mean, there, there, there's no way that the Braves can keep this pace up, is it? What? What do you mean, what, what do you mean they can't? They've kept this pace up since June, dude. I know. they got to burn out soon. They're going to go flat into the playoffs, right? I don't know. Dude, I'll tell you this. I don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs. The playoffs are a completely different animal. You just want to get there. You want to be relatively healthy. And you want to get hot at the right time. I've seen too many examples of this, whether it's from the Mets team like 2015. How good were they really in 2015? Yet they beat the Dodgers in five. Uh, they beat the Cubs in four. Look at the Nationals in 2019. So I don't know what's going to happen in the postseason. And I don't even care because the Mets and the Braves are going to be separated in the postseason. Like they would not play each other until the National League Championship Series. Yeah, no matter who wins the division, they would just be separated on other sides of the bracket. So the Braves in the playoffs mean nothing to me unless we're fortunate enough to play them. And I'd sign for that right now. You're telling me it's Mets, Braves, NLCS. Let's go. I'm in. I'm, I'll take my chances. I'm in for that. So I don't know what's going to happen to the postseason, but it's more the Braves have a more difficult schedule. We've gone through that. They do play the Philadelphia Phillies a lot. This portion of the schedule, while not difficult, features competent teams like the Mariners and like the Giants. But when you say, and my dad says this all the time, oh, they're not this good. They'll cool off. Well, my question to you is when? Because they've been playing this kind of baseball. I just gave you the numbers. They're 63 and 24. That's not cooling off, Pete. I mean, listen, I just feel like we've talked and looked at the best teams ever, right? Look at Seattle, yeah. Seattle Mariners. You look at that. That team had an incredible regular season. Playoffs, they were nothing. It, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same oh. thing. That's, so I'm just saying, like, the Braves are unbelievable. That's great, and they they are the they won last year, so they're the defending champions. But I think it's gonna burst soon. I don't care what happens to them in the playoffs, though. That, <laughs> I'm saying before October fifth, because I want this division. I think we all want this division. I know. And look, I know. the the one thing is, because here's a, a thing Joe and I disagreed about uh, when we spoke on the phone. I'm sure we'll talk about it on the air. Is he says if they don't win this division, they can't win the World Series. I, I look, the road is more difficult, no doubt. You're giving yourself more of a chance to get picked off, more of a chance for there to be an injury, more of a chance for bad crap to happen, no doubt about it. But if the Mets lose this division, as disappointed as we'll all be, October seventh, we're gonna pack City Field. And we're going to root our asses off and be optimistic in that series against the Phillies of the Padres. We just are. And if they win that series and they're off to L.A., we'll be thinking, oh, we beat these bastards during the regular season. Let's go. So I want to remind everybody, not that I want this because I don't want this. I do not want that wild card series. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be a part of it. Okay. But if they don't win this division, it's not a death sentence. It sucks. It would be a big disappointment, especially when you spend 99% of the season in first place. But it is not a end-all, be-all death sentence. I'll ask you this, though. Before they play the three games, September 30th, October 1st, and October 2nd, monumental three games, Mets-Braves. Mets need to win one of those games to secure the tiebreaker. The uh, The Braves play the Mariners, the Giants, the Phillies, the Nationals, the Phillies, the Nationals. That's who they play. The Mets play the Marlins, Cubs, Pirates, Brewers, A's, Marlins. Right now, we're basically tied. 
Well, let's be honest. The half game up, give me a break. We're tied. What is a reasonable goal? Like, would you be okay if I told you we're game out? Because that, look, you win two out of three, boom, tiebreaker, tied for first place, great. What's that number of, all right, get me here at the minimum and I'd be happy? I think we'll be three games up. Well, if we're three games up, I'm, I'm having a freaking party because then, well, I wouldn't say that. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> I'd at least go into the series saying, okay, <laughs> let's just win one game. <laughs> one freaking game. That's all we need. And then it's over, pretty much. You know, but I, I, I feel listen, if the team that showed up for the doubleheader continues and it's going to be tough because I, I say this all the time, even though we say it's a soft schedule, the the teams that you're playing, they know they're soft. They want to be ball breakers. They want to bust your 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 playoff, uh, you know, goals. And these kids are trying to make teams, too. So, of course, it's going to be competitive at times. But technically, the Mets should roll over them. And they have to they have to play well. Well, so far, during the uh, rollover part of your schedule, the New York Mets are 3-3. Three and three. <laughs> Obviously, losing 2 out of 3 to Washington, winning 2 out of 3 to Pittsburgh. I, I don't know if Buck is viewing it this way. I'm sure he is because I do, I do think he thinks long-term. What my goal would be, and I think with enough off days, because the Mets actually have, after tomorrow's off day, or today's off day, depending on when you're listening, the Thursday off day, the New York Mets have three more off days in this regular season. And they're all bunched together. September 22nd, September 26th, September 29th. That's a lot of off days. So assuming no rainouts, they'll have a lot of ability to move their rotation around however they deem fit. Not necessarily based on rest, based on matchup. Because what I need to have is Scherzer and DeGrom in two of the three games against the Atlanta Braves, preferably with one of them pitching the Friday game. Because if they pitch the Friday game, they're an option to come back and close the regular season out on Wednesday, October 5th. And if you don't need them on Wednesday, October 5th, or you deem that risk too high, you can hold them back and have them ready for a wild card series. If you have the other guy, DeGrom or Scherzer, whatever order you want to come up with, though I have my preference, pitching either on Saturday or Sunday, they would be lined up to open up the wild card series if that's the series you're in. But I think, assuming health, and obviously that's very important, especially with Max going on the IL, it is a must. And there's no excuse with two off days right around the series, essentially, to have both of those guys lined up for the three games against the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta because I don't know what the standings are going to say. I don't know what spot we're going to be in. Even if you're right, Pete, and the Mets are up three, you're still in a spot where you got to win a game. You lose all three, it's tied. They win the tiebreaker, and now destiny's out of your hands, as much as I hate that phrase. So even if you're three up, you go into that series saying, God, I got to win a game. I got to find a way to win one. So we'll see. But the clock is ticking. Uh, I do feel better. I think we should all feel better based on sweeping this doubleheader against the Pittsburgh Pirates. And then the hope is going into this weekend against the Marlins that the Met Bats could keep it going. Uh, Buck Showalter didn't commit to who would start the opener. Logic says David Peterson. I guess it could be Trevor Williams. The reason he hasn't said anything is that Taiwan Walker's dealing with a blister issue, so he may not be ready to go on Sunday. The only thing we know is Carlos Carrasco is going to make his second start back from the IL on Saturday. So however you cut it, 
it's not the strength of the Met rotation going up against the Miami Marlins. You're really looking at pitchers four, five, and six, potentially seven, pitching this three-game series against Miami. Carlos Carrasco is your fourth at best. Taiwan Walker is your fifth if he makes the start. David Peterson's your sixth. And if Trevor Williams is forced to make your start, that's basically a seventh starting pitcher. But the Marlins haven't hit. Their offense has been historically bad. And hopefully this Met offense, which doesn't have to deal with Sandy Alcantara, they could at least continue the momentum they have from what they did to the Pittsburgh Pirates in the finale of the doubleheader in which everybody hit. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I mean, even Daniel Vogelback, who was 0 for his first four, had what I thought was actually a significant RBI single in the eighth inning, not for the score, but for him, for the fact that maybe that gets him going. Because Vogelback goes out there and plays every single day against right-handed pitching. And could that change with Guillerme coming back? Could Escobar become more of an option at DH? He could be. Look, Escobar's going to play if he hits, like I said earlier. So even with Guillerme coming back, even if Marte is healthy, I think you still find a way to get him into the lineup. And maybe the guy who loses ABs is Daniel Vogelback. Maybe the guy who loses more ABs is Darren Ruff, who looks lost. What a mess he's been. So J.D. Davis had a home run. Nah, I'm not even going to bring that up. It is what it is. The deal's done. We move on. So big weekend coming up against Miami because every weekend's big. They need to win freaking games. Anything else off? Uh, I think we're pretty set. I mean, do you agree? Did you hear that the uh, visual take from today from BT saying that Pete Alonso's not a superstar? I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I don't give a crap. I don't care about what a superstar is or a star is. They can discuss that on their show. I don't give a shit. I mean, honestly, it doesn't matter to me. I need Pete Alonso to wake up. I need Pete Alonso to get hot. I need Pete Alonzo. And I thought, you know, I'll say this about Pete. I did think the drop to the two-hole, that that brings that up. So, not that I give a crap about that topic, but I do care about Pete Alonzo. And with Marte getting hurt, I was curious what Buck was going to do with the lineup. Back in the day, I feel so old school. Back in the day, when a guy was slumping, Bobby Valentine would hit him in the two-hole. Now, figuring they'd get more pitches to hit. Figuring they would think more about contact. Thinking more about... Hey, let me move the runner from first to second when the leadoff man gets on. Now, I don't think two uh, second-place hitters do that anymore. I don't think that's a thing in 2022. But I always remember, hey, guys in a slump, let's move them to the two-hole. So when I saw Pete was going into the two-hole in both games of this doubleheader, I liked it. Not that I thought that the world had gone backwards where, yeah, batting second, you're going to get pitches to hit. But what does he do right out of the gate? In the opener of the doubleheader, he rips a double. What does he do two innings later? Goes the other way with a single. What does he do in game two of the doubleheader? Draws a walk when which he really should have struck out. Has a base hit to left center field. Has a base hit to right field. Look, Pete hasn't hit a lot of home runs recently. We all know that. But if he could at least hit, (laughs) if he could at least be that all-around hitter that he has become this season... I think we could live through his batting slump or his power slump a lot more. So they need him to hit. They need Lindor to hit. That's the main reason why this offense has struggled. We could talk about the production they have getting now from the bottom of the order, at least what they did in the doubleheader, Escobar getting hot, things like that. If this offense is going to groove again, they need their two run producers to do the grooving. And that's Lindor and that's Alonzo. 
I think when Marte's back, Alonzo goes right back to cleanup. So I don't think this is a permanent thing by any of the stretch of the imagination. I had a crazy idea, and it's a terrible idea. So I, I warn you, people are going to hate it. They're going to say, Evan, shut up. But hear me out. There was talk about shaking up the lineup because they weren't hitting. And my retort always is, with what? Like, just saying shaking it up doesn't mean anything. Like, what's your idea? Well, Jeff McNeil should hit higher. Okay, well, where? Like, who should be dropped? Should Lindor about sixth? Okay, if that's your opinion. Should Marte drop in the order? Should Alonzo? Like, what do you want to do? So I was getting a little, I was getting a little kooky. I was thinking of dropping Brandon Nimmo. And hear me out on this. If you lead off Marte, McNeil, Lindor, Alonzo. So basically, McNeil takes Nimmo's spot and you hit Brandon Nimmo ninth. I'm a big fan of having a guy who hitting ninth be a guy who can get on base. I don't love having a guy batting ninth hitting 170. I don't. And that's James McCann. I don't love having a guy batting ninth who gets on base 26% of the time. And that's Tomas Nitto. And I think I'm being nice. I like having a guy that gets on base. And the reason I say that is because the guy on deck is a good hitter. Brandon Nimmo's your leadoff hitter. I like when he comes up with guys on base, don't you? Well, if the guy batting ninth, who essentially hits ahead of the guy batting first, can't get on base, then less guys are getting on base for your better hitters. So, I, trust me, I understand the negative of it, which is why would I take plate appearances away from Brandon Nimmo? I just, and I don't know how to make it work with this lineup. I like having a guy who bats ninth who can get on base because that guy gets on base from my sluggers for not just Nimmo, but for Marte, but for Lindor, but for Alonzo. So it was kind of a crazy idea. I actually wouldn't do it. It was just a thought because I've always had that thought of, I need more guys in the bottom of the order that get on base. I'd rather have my crappiest hitter batting 7th or 8th than ninth. Well, it's funny because I actually tweeted that out a couple weeks ago. I think it was because people, again, when we were talking about that, I said the only person that would move in that lineup, the only place you could really switch with Nimmo is McNeil, put him first. And I said the same thing about um, Nimmo. But the, here's my thing, and I, this is you. You, t- you tell me. What's more valuable, Nimmo leading off in the in the whether in the first inning of every game or whatever it is, and seeing all those pitches, and really, it's about getting on base and getting those he has more walks or McNeil making contact because McNeil they have if you look at them when they lead off an inning their numbers are almost identical on base percentage the biggest difference is McNeil will get on base by hitting and Nimmo by walks. Yeah, I like McNeil in RBI situations. That would be my answer to that. Like, right now, if you gave me a choice, first and third, one out, name anybody on the Mets you want up, it's probably Jeff McNeil. So I think I the answer to that, is, there's a lot of ways to answer that. I prefer Jeff McNeil in RBI situations more than Brandon Nemo. I, I like guys on base for Brandon Nemo, but I like McNeil in an RBI spot. And I do think there's a value to Nimmo seeing as many pitches as he sees right out of the gate. Look, I wouldn't move Nimmo to nine. It's an idea I've always talked about, and it's a suggestion, and there's a theory behind it that I think people would understand why I want guys batting ninth who are good hitters. I don't believe the ninth spot in the order should be this dead spot. It's why I started believing in the pitcher not batting ninth anymore. 
Like, I was all on board the last five years because I agreed. First of all, I'm going to pinch hit for him by the sixth inning anyway, so it's going to be guys off my bench. I'd rather put a productive hitter batting ninth because that guy's a table setter for my RBI hitters. But Nimmo, in theory, is the ideal leadoff hitter for this team. Making contact at the top of the order is really not that important. Like, that's one of those... It's an old school theory of, oh, my leadoff hitter needs to... He can't strike out a lot. Well, why? I just want the guy to get on freaking base. When there's an RBI opportunity, I care more about making contact. I mean, first and third, one out, Brandon Nimmo or Jeff McNeil? I'd probably say Jeff McNeil partially because he puts the bat on the ball. Like, Nimmo strikes out. So... I think when you really think about it, that's why the evolution of the game isn't always a bad thing. People like to assume, oh, that's new age thinking. Well, some of the new age thinking is right. I hate to tell you that. I consider myself still pretty old school, but there are a lot of new school thoughts that when you really think about it, you're like, well, that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, I think Buck has been really consistent with this lineup. I have mostly enjoyed it. It's a reminder that as fans, we always look for things to complain about because when teams are struggling, the manager changes the lineup too much. So it's been a huge critique of Aaron Boone. It was a huge critique of Luis Rojas. Very common era critique now. Lineup changes too much. Buck Showalter has stuck with the same four guys in the same order at the same positions basically every day. And is that better than switching your lineup all the time? Look, I think lineups can sometimes be a little overrated. Guys just have to produce. But it's a good thing. It's just the problem is when you're not hitting, we're all looking for things to change. We're all looking for what can we do to change things. The changes guys have to produce. The changes Pete Alonzo needs to have better at-bats. And at least in this doubleheader, he did do that. And hopefully he carries that over to the series against the Miami Marlins. Uh, I'll be back with Craig actually doing a full show. If you heard us on Wednesday, we were on for 22 minutes. Actually, less than that. I think we signed off at 218 because of the Yankee doubleheader. Uh, so we will have full shows uh, Thursday and Friday. And then all of next week, we are back. And then Joe and I will do a show together this Saturday on WFAN at 10 a.m. You can check out Hoffman with Tiki and Tierney, 10 a.m. on the fan. Like I mentioned, me and Craig, 2 o'clock. We'll be back with another edition of Rico Bronia right after the Miami Marlins series where hopefully we'll all be in a really good mood. Thanks for listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>